want to pick up here this year. And so the, the theme that we were flowing with uh, at, for the beginning of the year as we were led by the Lord is what is the point? And so this morning, this is part one in a series about what is the point of church? What, what is the point of church? Why are we even here? Why do we get up on Sundays or on Mondays or wherever or whenever to go to a place called a church? Why can't I just go underneath my little mango tree and have my own church? Right? Do I have to be in a building? I am the church. All these ideas about church. Church people are hypocrite. I don't like church people. Church is corrupt. Church, yeah, all, all kind of things. Rich is the real church and you know, I mean, all this confusion, but what is the point of church? And that's where we will be. But before we get into it this morning, I want us to kind of have a general idea as to where this idea of church really originated from in Scripture. If you read the Bible, you'll understand that the Old Testament is written in Hebrew um, originally and the New Testament in Greek. And so the, the word church is predominantly a New Testament word, because in the Old Testament, it, the, the building was never called a church. It was a tabernacle. It was a temple, right? So it started out with the ark. Well, it started out with a garden, then from the garden to an ark, from the ark to a tabernacle, and from the tabernacle to a temple, and from the temple to, in the New Testament, a church, all right? But the word church in the New Testament, during the, the Roman Empire, or, or at that time when Roman influence was dominant over the world, is that the, 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 the head of state in Rome was in Rome. But they had uh, governmental influences in other places in the world because of how dominant their reign was. So they had like Jerusalem, Israel, all of those places. It was under the Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire would establish leaders. It's similar to what we have with the monarchy, where there's a queen who, who, who has, at, at some point, the governor general was established in a country to carry out the work of the queen, because the queen can't be everywhere. All right? So out of that, the church was called the called out ones, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the group of people with governmental influence, in the space and the cities that they are, to establish what the head of their state wanted in the place that they were. So when the church was called, the church was a group of people who had a leadership, governmental influence over the place where they were. So if they were in Ochi, there would be a church there. And they would dictate what happens in that place. Everything was under or should be under their influence. So the church collectively and individually is when a person or people decide to carry out the governmental mandate of God in the place that they exist. Alright? Therefore, we as a people who call ourselves Christians are the church have a mandate from the Lord God Almighty to establish in St. Anne God's governmental influence over this place. So when things are happening that are not in line with what God desires, it is not the fault of society. It's the fault of the people who are supposed to bring Christ's influence. The church. So if you were to ask me who should be blamed, I would say the core function of the church, the core mandate of the church is not being established. Why? Because the different arms of government are separated. So you have the Pentecostal arm, the Baptist arm, the charismatic arm, you have the, you have the, you, you, all the different arms are separated. And so instead of being one church, we have become many denominations. And, and here's what happened. With different denominations, though we all have the same mandate, we allow our different regulations to deter us from doing the general mandate. All right. Is, uh, am I making sense? 
variable. So the first thing that needs to happen is that you and I need to know that as individuals, as the church, I have governmental influence over the space that I occupy. And my mandate is to establish God's will in heaven here on earth. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's a general idea of what church ought to be. But what is the point? Miles Monroe says this. He's famous for saying this. Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And what that means is that if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you're going to use it in an abnormal way. You're going to abuse its use. And so if you don't know the purpose of church, you're going to think that church is supposed to be something that church is not. And church is supposed to be doing some things that church is not supposed to be doing. And then you're going to get vexed with the church. And if you get vexed with the church, you're really getting vexed with God because God is the church. And they can't be separated. What is the point of church? It's kind of amazing, right? That many of us have been Christians. And if you ask all of us, what is the point of church? All of us will probably give different answers. And some of us would be in big disagreement with the other person. Because they're going to say, no, where you get that from? And they're going to say to you, in the Bible, they say, no, that's not in the Bible. And they will going to have argument. Because we can't even agree what is the purpose of church, as the church. It's like a dog not knowing what is his purpose. And he's arguing the next dog, well, your purpose is not to bark. Well, my purpose, and, and, like, hello? And everybody looking on knows, except the dog. Could it be that the world knows what we ought to be doing? But we are divided in what we are supposed to be doing? So the world thinks we are confused, but yet the world is in confusion. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, just one verse this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand. One last time, can you do that? Because I've been standing very long and I just need some company standing. I don't know, that's not the reason. We stand for the reading, the word of the Lord. Amen. We honor his word by standing for the reading of his word. I got a new Bible. Um, every year I try to change my Bible so I don't read the same highlighted stuff and think like, oh yeah, you know. And so I had this old one that people never liked me lifting up in church for the declaration. So my son got me this for Christmas. So I said, hey, you got me a Bible. I mean, what do you like about it? He says, daddy, I don't know nothing about it. I don't like it. He says, mommy, tell me to get it. <laughs> so, so this is it. So I won't even be reading from it this morning. Can you believe it? I'm just using it for lifting because my son purchased it for me. But hallelujah. But bless the Lord. Come on, just lift your Bibles up and declare with me that this is God's word. Not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus name. Amen. Matthew 5 verse 16. It says. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works. And glorify your father in heaven. Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will open our eyes to see your truth, our ears to hear your voice, our minds to understand your word, and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. May we be more than mere hearers of your word, but do us also. We decrease so you would increase this morning. The glory, the honor, and the praise belongs to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. No, you may be seated. Hallelujah. In, in the Bible, in fact, the church is called a fellowship. It is called a family. It is called a body. It's called a flock. And so each of these terms gives a different understanding of the church and shows how the church is to function. Fellowship, there's a function of fellowship in the church. There's a function of family, a bodily function, and a function like likened to a flock. So all of these 
terms used to describe the church or to label the church speak to specific functions. And hopefully next week I can look at what, what is the difference between the church being a fellowship, from the church being a family, from the church being a body, from the church being a flock. Because all of those, a flock, don't operate the same way as a family operates. And so you have to find the distinctions in the flock to align it to the function of the church. And so it is with the body and the fellowship. But the church is also Christ's church. It was founded by him and it is empowered by him. The church is not man's church. It belongs to Christ. He founded, it, he built it, and he empowers it. The church doesn't belong to the pastor or to the people. It is Christ's church. He is the founder and he establishes it. Amen. We can read this in Matthew chapter 16 from 15 to 16. And Jesus is having this interaction with Simon. He says, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I, Jesus Christ speaking, he says, I will build my church. So the I and the my in that is very important. It is Christ's church and he builds his church. No man builds the church of God. Let me tell you again. The people who come into the church don't come into the church because of the pastor. Or because of praise. Or because of the music. Or because of the people. They come to church because the Holy Spirit draws them. No man come to the Father unless you are drawn by the Holy Spirit. No, no preaching without Christ can bring people to Jesus. Amen? People come to church because God draws them by the Holy Spirit. In other words, unless the Spirit of God is working on a person's life, no sermon can be convincing. Amen? And it says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But let's go back to our text and let's look at it. It says, let your light so shine. I want you to underline that word shine. Because um, I'm going to use it as a simple tool. An acrostic to help us understand the point of church. S-H-I-N-E. In fact, it's a brilliant idea for a t-shirt. If you're one of those persons, when you finish, you go and say, like, for 22 Year 2022, I'm going to shine. Yeah? I'm, I'm, I'm going to shine. So we're going to take these five letters and examine the purpose or the point of church. Why is church necessary and important? Why am I here? The first point is church is to seek and to share the good news. Church, the point of church is to seek and to share the good news. A lot of things are important. But if, if we're not seeking and sharing, we're missing the point. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19 verse 10. For the Son of Man came or has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus Christ came to do what? To what? To seek and to? To seek and to save. I want you to get this because there's a distinction with what Jesus came to do and what the church is commissioned to do. It's different. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Our job is not to seek and to save. Our job is to seek and to? Come on. Whose job is it to save? And our job is to seek unto? Alright. It's very important because what the church has become concerned with, and when I speak about the church, I'm speaking about the collective and the individual. We speak about that people have become discouraged because people are not getting saved. Because they somehow believe that our job is to get people saved. You can't save nobody. The church can't save nobody. 
I can't save nobody. Good music, dance, all of those things, programs can't save people. It is the duty of the Son of Man to save. Our job is to share. And we share two ways. We share with our lies and we share with our mouth. You can't do one without the other. You have to practice what you preach and preach what you practice. So don't tell me, well, by my lifestyle. We not. Jesus did it with his mouth and with his life. To seek and to share is to share your life and to share from your mouth. You can't do one without the other. Don't tell me you're just living, you're doing what you want to do, but you tell people about Jesus. No. There must be an alignment with what you live and what you say. Because what you say should be what you live, and what you live should be what you say. So we, we share two ways. We share with our lies, and we share from our mouth. But he came to seek and to save the lost. Our job is to seek and share. Why? Because God always does the saving. We are called to seek and to share. And we are supposed to let God do the saving. Let God save people. That's not your job. That's not my job. Let's God do, let God do the saving. Leave salvation up to the Lord. Don't tell me about pastor. You know, when I talk to people, they don't get saved. God didn't ask you to get people saved. There's no scripture that commands the world to go and save the world. Every time about saving comes up in the scripture, it's about God. Saving mankind. Rescuing mankind. Our job is not to save. Our job is to share. And Jesus lays it out in the Great, in the, in, in the great Commission in Matthew uh, 28 from 19 to 20. He says, Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations. So you have to go. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. This commandment called the great commission was given to the church. Every single one of, one of us. Our job is to seek and to share. Well, but I don't know. What am I going to tell people? I don't know what to tell them. I, I, I just get saved. I, I, listen, let me tell you what to tell them. The Lord is my shepherd. Is that all you know? Tell them that. If, if all you know is our Father who art in heaven, when you go before the person, say to them, Our Father who art in heaven. And they ask you what that means? You say, I don't know what it means. But all I know is that my father is in heaven. And your father can be in heaven too. And you leave it to Jesus. I, I know this because there's a story about one man. And everybody was questioning him. Tell us about him. Tell us where he's from. Tell us his name. And he says, listen. That I don't know. That I don't know. That I don't know. But this one thing I know. I once was blind. But now I see. There was a lady and, and there was a long conversation about all the issues of her life. She goes back to her community and they begin to question her. And all she said is, come see a man. Don't make any excuses. Seek and share. For we are commanded by Christ to tell the good news. To those who don't know it. When last have you spoken to someone. About the good news. What is the good news? That Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him. Shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came. And he died for your sins. He's resurrected now. And seated in heaven. And he can save you. That's the good news. Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy. Today, a Savior is born in Bethlehem. That's the good news. That Jesus Christ saves. When last have you told someone, we mourn about 
what and, and grumble about what is happening in society. But at the end of the day, as a church, the point of our existence as a church, as a people, is to share and tell people about the salvation of God, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we should never, ever, ever deviate from that or be distracted by life so we forget that. We are commanded by Christ to tell the good news to those who don't know it. But notice this. The scripture says, I am with you always. How, how long did it say for a little while? It didn't say for a day. It didn't say for a month. It didn't say for a year. I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. What this means to me is that this is the responsibility of the church for all generations. We are to share the good news with the people who we meet. Why? Because no generation will tell the good news to this generation except this generation. That means us. We have a responsibility to tell this generation about the good news of Jesus. Christians of the past are not responsible with telling our generation about Christ. We our future Christians cannot tell our generation about Christ if they have not been born yet. We are charged with telling people in our time about Jesus. If we don't do it, then who is? Or who will? Who will tell them? Who will tell them? So, the scripture, let's go back. Matthew 28. We don't have to share the good news alone. That's the encouragement from the scripture. Why? Why? Because it's a law. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Meaning Jesus is with us when we share the good news. Jesus is saying, listen, as long as you're out there sharing, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Wherever you are, you're at the workplace, you're in the streets, you're at the football field, wherever you are, you're in the office, you're in the supermarket, you're in the taxi, I am with you. Just share it. I am with you. Just share. I will not leave you. Just share the good news. Tell somebody. You don't have to belong. But know that God is with you. And is able to save. Whether you're young or you're old. It is our duty. It is our purpose. It is the point of church that we share the good news. See when we share with our neighbors and friends about our relationship. The relationship we have with Christ. He is right there with us. Will everyone we talk? about Christ accept Jesus just because we have told them about him no not everyone will accept and I've, I've, I've felt like you before it, it, it's pointless to talk to some people because they're not changing that's not my job my job is not to determine the time of their change I have one duty in all of this to share and I'm going to keep sharing as long as I can share and leave God to do the changing. So what if they're not changing? Don't concern yourself with other people are changing or not. Concern yourself with your purpose. And that is to share. You don't have to force it on them. You're sharing it with them. Because it doesn't mean we should stop telling them about it. Why? Because God is the only answer to bring peace to the human soul. That is, that is it. God is the only answer so you have to keep sharing because at the end of the day, they're refusing, they're refusing. But one day, come on, say with me, one day. Do you know it was one day for you? There maybe was someone who was talking to you all along, but one day the Holy Spirit did a work. And then on that day all the talk came together and salvation came. For this day salvation has come to your house. You never stop sharing because you never know which day the spirit is going to change your heart. You keep seeking and you keep sharing because Jesus is still seeking and saving the lost. So we need to keep seeking and sharing with the lost so Jesus can keep saving the lost. Let me ask you a question. If you had the cure for cancer and you did not share it, would it be criminal? 
think it would be if you had a cure for AIDS, HIV, and you did not share it, I think it would be immoral. Uh, this morning, as I watched uh, a program on CNN, I saw where they were celebrating a young lady who think about to com- complete medical school. And what happened is that she was at a hockey game, I believe, and um, the, the team that she supports, she saw the equipment manager with a bump somewhere around his neck region. And she kind of blurted out from in the stands that, um, I, I don't know if it was in a bad way or in a good way, but he said, hey, that bump on your neck, you have cancer. Um, she shout, blurted that out. So he goes and he checks because he heard it, held it, went and he checked. Found out that he had advanced cancer. And that, and, and, I mean, having done everything, he, he was supposed to die. Like, if it was not identified, he would have died like in like four months or four weeks. Don't, don't remember the exact time. But what happened is that because she said that, he was able to be treated. And now he's still living, he's alive, and he came back, he invited her to the game and paid out her, her um, gave her a scholarship to complete medical school and all of that. All right? So she saw something and she spoke. It was up to the person to do something about that. Listen, I can't imagine if a person, how you'd feel if tomorrow you saw someone and they said to you, I have the cure, and this is real, for cancer, and I've been sitting on it for the last 50 years. And they say to you, I'm about to die, but I don't even know if I should tell anybody about it. When you think about all those little kids and people that died, imagine how that would make you feel. What's the moral of all of this? We know the cure for the human soul is having a relationship with Christ. And still yet, we have it, and we're not giving it. We're not sharing it. The only way the human soul can be healed is through Christ, a relationship with him. And every born-again child of God has that in their hand. And you have permission to give it to people. That 10-year-old, that 12-year-old, that 8-year-old, that 70-year-old, that 35-year-old, you have the cure for their soul. The question is, what are we going to do about it? 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20, it says this, Through Christ, God has made peace between us and himself. Look at this. And he gave us the work. Watch this. Of telling everyone about the peace we can have with him. So we have been sent to speak for Christ. I love the scripture, right? So go back to the first part of it. It says, he gave us the word. This is not pastor telling you to do it. This is not the evangelist telling you to do it or the prophet. He gave us the work. Who gave us the work? Jesus, God gave you, he gave me the work. What all we need to do is tell everyone about the peace we have with him. We go to people and say, listen, there was a time that there was hostility between God and I. He was over there and I was over here. But he made peace with me. You can have peace with him. The scripture goes on and says, so we have been sent to speak for Christ. Come on, lift your hands with me and say, I have been sent to speak for Christ. You don't need a church to tell you. It's here in scripture. You have been sent to speak for Christ. By Christ. He gave us the work. That's our part in this. All we are to do is to tell. All we are to do is share the gospel. And then God. Let God do his part. Our job is to seek and to share. His job is to seek and to save. Amen. The second letter in the word shine is the letter L. And L here means the point of church is to help one another. 
are help each other. Amen. We are supposed to help one another. It, it means it's not the haves who help the don't have. That's not what the scripture says. We are supposed to help one another. It means that everybody, every, every, everybody supposed to be helping. So let me break it down for you. If a family can buy your grocery a month, you can go rake up some yard. That's helping. You may not have money, but you have hands. I'm telling you, you have needle and you have tread. You can hem up some clothes for somebody. I don't know. But listen, the idea that uh, the church ought to be a place where the people who have a lot give to the people who have nothing. And that's how church is supposed to be. Because church people are supposed to be helping our people. No, we all are supposed to be helping one another. That's what the scripture says in Acts. They all sold what they had. And no one suffered need. Everybody got involved. The problem is that the church is being squeezed. So those who have always been giving is squeezing. So it's coming to a point where nobody going to have anything. Because some people think like the only thing that can be given is money. Let me say to you again. If someone can give you $20,000 and say they want to help you, you can go watch some clothes for somebody free of cost. That's helping. Uh, but, but do you say, you're not watching nobody dirty clothes. But you want the money. Can you imagine someone washing somebody's dirty clothes? To buy groceries so you can have it to eat. And you have determined that you are not washing anybody's dirty clothes. I mean maybe you picked the wrong day to listen to church. <laughs> but church is all of us. And when I talk about fellowship. It's all of us in a ship together. Watch this. So we are here to care for one another. We look after each other's kids. We take care of each other's character and integrity. We protect. We look out for each other. If one mourn, we all mourn. Listen, we're not, we're not looking for special people. Like I said in the first service, don't, 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 don't come and say, Oh, oh, oh my God, oh my God. Pastor Ray, Pastor Ray, I can't wait for you have one next Sunday. You see, hey, you see that young lady over there with the money? She won't be the godfather, godmother. <laughs> Tell you. Yeah, yeah. You know, people are sizing up who would be a good godfather because they're looking like, because we can't get some stuff. And the church has become about what we can get instead of looking to help each other. Let me break it down. Because of the relationship that the New Testament church had with one another. Listen, in fact, this is in society. We are creating a society of people who believe that they have rights to certain things without doing certain things. Like people have a right, people have a right to take care of them. We are raising even young women who believe that. Listen, any man who want me, have you can't pay my rent. Have you buy me a car. Have you do me this. Have you do me that. What you can do? What can you, what do you bring to the table? You know what they say? Not me. Excuse me. Well, if you bring you to the table, you know who I'm bringing to the table? Not me. <laughs> because you reap what you sow. If you're sowing you, well, I'm going to sow me. So both of us go and reap. <laughs> there you go. But we're creating a culture of welfare. And people believe that they have a right to be taken care of by other people because they're a sufferer. And, and, and okay, well, you don't see what's suffering. You, you must, you, I need to get a chance. Yeah. 
Let me break it down for you. Because of the relationship that the New Testament church had with one another and with God. When someone had a need, the church stepped in to meet that need. You hear who stepped in? The church. So let me help you people. When the brother or sister help you, it's church help you. So don't say, I mean, I have nothing to do with church people when the brother or sister help you. It is the church. The only way we would know you and you would know us is through the fellowship of the church. If the church was not here, then we would not have probably related and we would not have been able to help. So it is not the person. So do them tell you that them, them doing it in secret, it is the church helping you. Let me help those of us who are helping people. When you help people, let your light shine. So people see your good works and glorify who? Not you. Because if you make people make you a God, you're going to die. Because God is going to kill every other God. So when they begin to point at you, tell them, say, no, it's God. Tell them to give thanks to church. Whenever you give them something and they say, boy, why, sister, so, I love you. You see, you're such a kind person. Say, no, no, it's not me. It's the church. Give glory to God. A- amen? That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to help each other. We're supposed to use our gifts and talent in helping others. Not just so that we can earn a living. In other words, we all have gifts and talents. If you're a child of God, God has given you some gift that you can use to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Use it. You know, back in the days, I mean... In, 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 in the rural community that I lived, here's what used to happen. Uh, there are persons who they never had day jobs, but they make taking care of the, jer- the church their job. So when people are taking care of them, it was because they were taking care of God's house. There are people who don't even want to be a church and want to be taken care of by the church. And the church, I'm telling you, the church has created a culture in Jamaica that has become, it has permeated society. Where we have taken care of people that don't have nothing to do with God and nothing to do with work. And they have created some kids who have nothing to do with God and nothing to do with work. And so they are turning scammers and criminals. And we are wondering where this has started. Remember I started out by saying that the church has a governmental leadership role. And what happened is that it is not the society that dictates what church looks like. It is the church that dictates what society looks like. I'm going to share this in the Bible because you may think, well, Pastor Satan, none of them think they're in the Bible. God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. That's Ephesians 2 verse 10. God made us to do good works. The first scripture we read in Corinthians said that he gave us work to do. Then the scripture said God made us to do good works. That's our second purpose. So let me warn you, the primary purpose of the church is not a welfare agency. So if you come to church and you don't have a job, we will help you pay your rent. We'll buy some grocery for you. But we're going to help you get a job. And if you don't want to work, you're going to have to find your grocery. No, if you don't want to work, it's different from if you can't work. So you understand? Well, Pastor, well, that is nothing bad. We are getting them like a strange thing here from. That's why I can't bother with the pastor, you know, because I don't think they're Second Thessalonians 3, 10 to 13. Let me read it for you. This is a message paraphrase. Well, not paraphrase. From the message Bible. It says, don't you remember the rule we had when we lived with you? If you don't work, come on, say it with me, because this, 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 this must be pastor putting it here. If you don't work, 
All right? And now, because what was happening, that people were eating and not working. So he says, and now we are getting reports that a bunch of lazy, good-for-nothings are taking advantage of you. If I did tell you that, you'd say, what, what, what our pastor called lazy, good-for-nothing? <laughs> Gladys in the Bible. Lazy, good-for-nothing. Taking advantage of the church. It says, this must not be tolerated. I, I like the word. It says, we commanded them to get to work when? Immediately. No excuses. No arguments. And earn their own keep. In other words, go look, walk. <laughs> I'm telling you. The purpose of the church is to make people productive. Is to make people fulfill and use their gifts. And if they earn, your gift make room for you, the scripture says, and take you before great men. It is so that we can use our gifts. And our gifts, using our gifts, it brings resources into our lives. So there's a saying that goes like this. Give a man a fish, and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, and you feed him for the rest of his life. So we are to help others so they can become productive parts of society. So here's what we, we, the church is here to do. If you're unskilled and uneducated... We help you to get educated and get skilled so you can earn and take care of your family. The church's job is not to let you sit down in your yard and don't do nothing and buy your grocery and pay your rent. Amen. Listen, you don't have to agree. I don't even need an amen because it's in the Bible. I don't, I don't need an amen right now. Peter said this about others. God has given each of you some special abilities. So Peter is really saying, everybody can do something. Every one of us. Be sure to use them to help each other. Passing on to others. God's many kinds of blessings. God has blessed you with an ability. Use it to be a blessing to others. So seek and share. Help others. Thirdly, include others. The point of church is to include others. It don't matter. You may not like some of the things that they do, but we have to include people. They may have too much tattoos for you, too much piercings for you. You may not like the pink coloring of the hair, or the yellow coloring, or the white, or the color you can't even understand. But here's the thing. Bring them in. The pants may be too tight for your liking, or it may be too big. Listen, include others. They may not smell as good as you, but include others. Their sexual thing may be different from yours, but include others and let God deal with them. But here's the thing. We, we, we determine who we include based on how they look. People don't want a place to just believe. They want a place to belong. All of us. No, listen, one of the worst emotional feelings a person goes through is a feeling of rejection. None of us like to be rejected. So we need to include others. Include means to welcome people into the family. Make them feel at home. When you come to church, make people feel comfortable. Don't sit beside a person for a duration of a service and don't even say hi. Don't even get to know their name. What kind of church... Could this be that you sit beside someone for one hour and don't even engage them in a conversation and say, oh, hallelujah, Jesus, I worship you. Like, like how do we do that? I'm not asking you to do be, be best of bodies, 
But now life has made it simpler for you. Because guess what? You can even elbow somebody in vexation. Like greeting. Because you have on your mask. You could be vexed under your mask. And you greet them. But, it, but, but, but at least. And I tell you why this is important. The person who comes here and sees you, they believe that you are here longer than them. So when they sit beside you and you say nothing to them, they walk away saying, you see, you see church people, you're a guest and they're a guest. But they guess that you are here a long time ago. And you guess that they are here a long time ago. And now you speak to each other. You can't come to church and not talk to people. And then say you worship God. <laughs> how long how long have you been here? Around two years now. Who do you know? Nobody. How comes? Me no know. Say you not talk to nobody. Nobody not talk to me. Oh. <laughs> so you can't talk to nobody. To win friends, you have to be friendly. I, I will say that we are blessed as a church here. We are, I think we are very friendly. We greet each other and welcome each other on Sundays. And we strive to make our guests feel welcome. So I want to encourage the church to keep up the good work. But many times people say, boy, pastor is a, a, lot, of, a lot of cliques. Right? And groups. If the group is passing you, reach out and touch the group. As the group passes by, you'll find they're not too busy to hear your heart's cry. They are passing by this moment, your needs to supply. Reach out and touch the group as they pass you by. It's very simple. Join the group. So practice hospitality and be friendly. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. See, churches sometimes are not very accepting of new people when they arrive. They are not willing to accept newcomers. But let me make this as plain as I can. Whoever walks through the door needs to be treated like family. Because Jesus... The one who love, loves, the one we love has chosen them to be here. You have to begin to see people as God sending them here. If God sent the person in our midst, we have to treat them as family. In Hebrews 2 verse 11 it says, Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That is why he isn't ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. So don't be ashamed to call people your brother and sister because Jesus is not ashamed to call your brother and sister. How many of you like to feel left out? How many of you like to be the last person picked for that team? How many of you like it when you didn't get the invitation to the party? How many of you like going to a church where no one even acknowledged that you existed? None. None of us like that. We want to be included. We want to be part of the activities. So when we have new people enter these doors, include them. Treat them nice. Do what you can to make people feel welcome. I like these stuff that I follow. I realize that something that people do that we need to do. They always ask people, what is your name? It's like an American culture. Like one of the first things they do, they want to find out, what is your name? And when they find out your name, they, 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 it's almost like they're reintroducing themselves. They say their name and they say, hi, how are you doing, Juliet? People love to hear their names called. So let me give you an easy way to be nice. Find somebody when you come to church and say, hey, what is your name? Say, I am, I am Jack, what is your name? And when they tell you their name, you say, hi, Patsy. 
Amen? No, number four. Number four. Shine. S-H-I-N. The point of church is to nurture. To nurture others. And nurture is about growing in Christ and becoming more like him. I don't know if you know this, but God's plan for our life is to make us like Jesus. The plan of God from the very beginning was to make us like Jesus. And that is why at Church on the Rock we say we make disciples who make disciples. We want people to continue to grow, to become not like a church, but become like Jesus Christ. Not like a denomination, but become like Jesus Christ. Not to, I don't want nobody to be like me. You need to be like Christ. Amen? So, so the Bible says in Romans 8 verse 29, From the very beginning, God decided that those who, decided that those who came to him, and all along he knew, he knew who would, should become like his son. So that his son would be the first with many brothers. In other words, God wants us to be like his son. So there's always a need for discipleship and growing. So when we pray, Jesus, I want to be more like you. We must be ready for Christ to start working in our lives. If you pray that kind of a prayer. Sometimes leading us into some very difficult situation. Because that road comes with many trials and tribulations. So let me share this quick story with you. This man was sleeping in his cabin when suddenly his room was filled with light and God appeared. The Lord told the man that he had work for him to do and showed him a large rock in the front of the cabin. The Lord told the man that he was to push against the rock with all his might. Remember what he, God told him to do what? Push against the rock with... I want you to remember that, right? That's what God told him. So he did. Day after day, for many years, the man pushed against the rock. From sunup to sundown, his shoulders set squarely against the cold, massive surface of the unmoving rock. Each night, the man returned to his cabin, sore and worn out, feeling that his whole day had been wasted. Since the man was so discouraged, Satan decided to enter the picture and placed more negative thoughts in the man's mind. He started thinking of himself as a failure and he became quite depressed. The man started having thoughts of suicide. But the day before he took his life, he, 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 he decided that before I take my life, let me pray to God. So he prayed, Lord, I have labored long and hard in service. Put in your service, put in all my strength to do that which you ask. Yet after all this time, the rock has not moved half an inch. God, what went wrong? God, why have I failed? The Lord said, I ask you to serve me and push against the rock. You have been faithful. But I never expected you to move the rock. Your task was to push. You have not failed. Your arms are stronger and your back is stronger. Your legs have become massive. Your hands are stronger. Through pushing, you have become a different person than you were. Through opposition, you have become stronger. True. You have not moved the rock. But you have not just exercised your body, but also your faith. You have pushed. Now, I will move the rock. The moral of the story is that God didn't want him to move the rock. At times we hear a word from God and we try to analyze and decipher what it means. When actually what God wants from us is faithfulness and obedience. All he wants is for us to push. To pray until something happens. Don't get caught up in the result. Get caught up in the obedience. Do what God has. Uh, that's, that's, that's nurturing. That's growing. He thought it was about moving the rock. That's Jesus' part. All you have to do is keep pushing. 
Because what God wants you to become, you're becoming. And what he wants to do with the rock will be done in his time by his power. Amen? Final point is that the church is E, E is exalt the Lord. That's the fifth purpose of the church. We are to exalt the Lord by worshiping him. So let me help you, right? It's a new year, so you're going to have to rewind. To worship God, you have to get it right from the beginning. In other words, before you need to get here early. You can't, you can't, get, you can't reach here late. You have to get here before. This, this is your date with God. You can't be late for your first date. But, listen, if you invite any woman of worth, and you are the male, and you turn up late for the date, you may not have a date. It, it is more acceptable as the male when you turn up and wait. Right? When it comes on to worshiping God, you don't get here on time. You get here before time. Will God punish you? No. The, the, the issue is you don't give him the honor that is due his name. And part of exalting and worshiping God is giving him the honor due to his name. That's why I tell the worship team, listen, if there's one person in the church, start at 1030. If it, one person start at 745. Listen, if the song is not tuned up right, start. If the drum is not here, start. Why? Because if you have a date with God, you don't keep the king of kings waiting. I'm not going to wait on, on I'm not waiting on you, man, at the expense of God. I'm going to go ahead with God and you, man, can catch up afterwards. Wait, wait to hear me. Alright? So we, we, we have a duty to worship God. The psalmist says it this way. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us, what? Exalt his name together. Amen? So when you come to church, listen, you, you, you come to church with that joy because the purpose of church is not for people to sing for me. It's for me to worship God. It's for me to magnify God. It's for me to exalt His name. So the overall purpose of church is to glorify God, to exalt Him. It's what the church needs to do today. It's what the church needs to do tomorrow. And it's what the church will need to do going into eternity. To glorify God. To worship God. To exalt God. In Revelation 4 verse 11. The scripture says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will. They exist and were created. So when we come to church. Regardless of what the worship. We don't need to be pumped up. Primed up or pushed to worship God. I'm here to worship God. Because that's the purpose of church. That's the purpose of my existence. So we seek and share. We help. We include. We nurture. We exalt. We shine. Let your light so shine. So men will see your good works and glorify your father. These are the purposes of the church. But there are also the purposes of the Christian. Of every child of God. We are to shine so that men will see God in us. And he will be glorified. He's worthy of the best that we can give him. Amen. So let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What's the purpose of the church? To shine. What is, the, what is your purpose? To shine so that men can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus this morning. Listen, I want to... I want to pray for you. I'm going to invite the musician and the worship team to come. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. I want to pray for two groups of persons this morning, or people this morning. One is for those of us who are committed to shining 
in 2022. I'm going to shine. I'm going to seek and share. I'm going to help. I'm going to include. I'm going to nurture. And I'm going to exalt the name of Jesus. In this year, I am going to shine. I'm going to let my life, my light so shine. That men will see my good works and glorify the Father. Are you ready to shine in 2022? Listen, but here's the thing. Um, with your hands, just, just, just right where you are, I want you to just bow your heads as you stand and, and close your eyes. Let me just speak to those who are online and if you're here this morning. The truth is, you can't shine and give glory to the Father in heaven without having a relationship with Him. It would be unfortunate this morning if I'd share and not share with you the opportunity to accept the good news and accept the salvation that Jesus Christ presents. So if you're here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you have an opportunity this morning. It's not complicated, it's simple. It's John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his son. All you have to do is to believe and you have everlasting life. So if you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I want to shine and I know to shine. I need a savior. I need a relationship with the Savior. He's the cure for the human soul. And my soul needs salvation. My soul needs curing. If that's you this morning and you say, Pastor, I am ready. This first year of 2022, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to surrender my life to him. If that's you, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to just lift your hands where you are and I will pray with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I see a hand right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen, if you have lifted your hands for this prayer, here's what I want you to do. Come on, just pray with me. It's a very simple. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And if you're watching online, you can do this as well. Just say, Heavenly Father, I am a sinner needing forgiveness. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. I'm a sinner needing salvation. Save me from my sins, Lord. I surrender my life to you right now. Come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. I believe that He died for my sins, I believe that He was buried. But now he's resurrected and seated at your right hand. I give you my life. I give you my all. Right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prior, if this is your first time or you're recommitting, before you leave, I want you to fill out one of our connection cards. If you're online, you can just leave your contact information in the comment section and we will reach out to you. Hallelujah. I want to pray for the rest of us this morning. Come on, just lift your hands if, you, if, you have, if you're ready to come in to say, this year I'm going to shine for Jesus. Come on, lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands all over this place. And say, Heavenly Father, this year I make a conscious decision of my will right now to shine for you. I will seek and share. I will seek the loss and share the gospel. This year, I will help others. I will care for others. This year, I will be friendly and show hospitality as I seek to include others in the family of God. This year, I will go through the process of nurturing. I will grow to become like Jesus. This year, I commit to exalting the Lord, worshiping the Lord, glorifying the Lord every day of my life in everything that I do.
I won't wait on songs. I won't wait on music. God, I will worship you with everything in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, with your hands lifted. You need a fresh touch this morning. Just lift your hands before the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for every person. Oh God, I pray that you'll cause your rain to fall upon them. I pray in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, rain down. Oh, comforter and friend, rain down. Send your rain, Lord God, and empower your people again. Just like on the day of Pentecost, they were gathered in the upper room. I pray, and the Holy Spirit descended as like fire upon them. I pray right now that you will descend, Lord God. Fresh touch, fresh touch in the name of Jesus. To every heart that's open to receive. Come on, you just open your mouth and you begin to say, Holy Spirit, rain down on me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, rain down. Rain down. Oh, comforter and friend. How we need your touch. Again, Holy Spirit, rain.